Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast and another solo episode. So it's just me today and I've got a really interesting topic that's something really close to my heart that I want to share with you all. And it's how to overcome your acne and the 10 steps that you need to take to get clear skin. So before we dive into that, I do have a few announcements that I want to cover. So first of all, yeah, I'm back from my holiday, had a really good time. I went to Cornwall in um, England, so St. Ives is the coastal town that I went to. I go every year with my family and we had a great time. The sun was shining and it was a beautiful time. Ate some nice food, but unfortunately had a bit of an illness on the way, way home. So it's a drive home um, down the motorway for about eight hours. And for four of those hours, I was violently sick every half an hour. I was having seizures. I was sweating and blacked out, didn't really know what was going on. So yeah, it was, wasn't was a fun um, drive home, but I'm alive. And I recovered pretty quickly from that. But I have been kind of having some lingering issues from that episode. Like it's kind of thrown my body out of whack. And I've had a lot of people asking whether it's food poisoning and I'm actually not sure. I've been to the doctors and they're not aware of anything either. I think it could be a reaction to MSG, so monosodium glutamate in the Thai restaurant sauce that we went to because I don't usually tend to eat things like that anymore and it wasn't even like a takeaway junk food place. It was a really nice restaurant that we'd been wanting to go to all week but unfortunately we went on the last day and the meal itself was absolutely amazing. It was it like lit my brain up. It was that delicious. I wanted more. I was obsessed with it. And I was sorry that I hadn't been like early on in the week because it was, yeah, I enjoyed it so much. And I even posted on Instagram that it was amazing. Um, so I'm not sure if it was food poisoning because the people I went didn't get food poisoning either. So um, it's a little bit confusing, but I'm pretty sure it's a reaction to the MSG in the foods. And MSG is an excitotoxin, so it kind of stimulates your brain cells, probably hence why I felt so addicted to it and I loved it so much in the moment, but it can actually kill brain cells when it's in excess for too long. So that may be what's going on, but hopefully it's not like a ongoing issue and I think my body is just a super sensitive flower and doesn't like things like that anymore. So that was the first announcement. And then I came back and started tracking my blood glucose levels. So you can follow along um, on Instagram, on my stories, and I've got it saved in my Instagram highlight if you're watching this in the future. So it's July 2019 at the moment, and I'm doing a little trial to track my blood glucose levels. And it's very interesting to see that because of this flare up and incident that's happened, 
my body must be very inflamed and stressed at the moment because my reaction to certain foods is like off the charts. My blood glucose is spiking really high and then it's crashing in the night and I can definitely feel that and it's very interesting to see. So yeah, I'm doing that for two weeks. It's an implant in my arm. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see um, I've just showed the little device and it looks really scary, but it's absolutely not. And yeah, it's much easier than finger pricking every single couple of hours because it was leaving my fingers like red and bruised and horrible. So I much prefer just scanning my phone or the little monitor across my arm and it gives me a reading within a second. So if you're interested in that, definitely have a look. But I don't recommend it for everyone. It's definitely not crucial. I'm just kind of testing out and trialing it because it would be helpful in practice if I know what to expect using it with clients who have maybe insulin resistance or PCOS, metabolic issues, it would be a very useful tool. So I haven't made my mind up fully on it yet, but so far I'm enjoying it. Okay, so on to the final announcement before we get on to the start of the podcast episode. And I wanted to let you all know, you may have seen it on Instagram last week, that I'm opening up a group coaching program in September 2019. So in a few weeks time now, there's going to be 10 ladies who I'm going to take into a group coaching session. It's going to be weekly coaching calls and it's a much cheaper option than working with me one-on-one because my prices will be increasing in September as well for the packages that I offer. So this is going to be almost half the price. So it's around £250 currently for the group coaching sessions. Enrollments don't open until August. So if you're interested, get on the wait list, send me a message, send me an email. So I just wanted to cover some of the things that we will be going through on that course as well. So it's for the women who are struggling with hormonal imbalances. They have fertility challenges, PCOS, PMS, endometriosis. They may not even have any diagnoses at all. They may just be feeling flat or moody or they have irregular periods, really erratic periods, heavy bleeding. They feel fatigued they have low moods, those types of things as well. So it's the Hormonal Harmony group coaching program. So it fits perfectly with this podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you're in the UK, I'm initially only offering it to UK residents at the moment, just why it's the first time. And yeah, I'm hopefully going to branch it out to international in the future once we've done a couple of rounds with this one. So if you're in the UK, you're struggling with any of those things, You want to work with me one-on-one because this is the cheapest option that you're going to have from um, ongoing. You're going to be in a community of like-minded women, weekly coaching sessions on video. Um, You're going to have access to an interactive Facebook group where you have not only weekly educational sessions on some of the factors I'm going to mention, but also weekly Q&As as well. So if you have any questions about anything that we covered that week, or you just want to pick my brains on a certain topic, or you just want to ask about product recommendations and things, I'm going to be sharing all of that in the private Facebook group too. So each week, um, we're going to be going through a different pillar of hormonal health. So there's different factors that are crucial for hormonal harmony. The first one being blood sugar regulation. So I've just mentioned my experience with that currently. And if if your blood sugar isn't balanced, your hormones aren't going to be either, particularly if you have metabolic issues and PCOS so if your blood sugar is not balanced your body's not going to care if you have acne breakouts which we'll cover today it's not going to care if your period's on time if you're fertile because it's a life or death situation if your blood sugar 
goes out of this narrow range, it could be life-threatening. So that's really important. So I'll teach you how to eat for optimal blood sugar balance and how to use food as medicine as well. So I'll really teach you the ingredients to use and avoid, how to build your plate, the high quality proteins, healthy fats, those types of things as well. Um, medicinal foods based on your current issue. There's certain foods that may be things to focus on and really emphasizing your diet as well. Second week, we're going into how to supercharge your digestions because gut health is another thing that needs to be optimal for your hormones to be optimal as well. Your gut not only affects digestive symptoms, so you may not even have any bloating or gas or reflux, but if there's a dysbiosis in there, so an imbalance of good and bad bacteria, your hormones may be impacting because of that, because of the inflammation that's going on, the nutrient deficiencies that that may cause as well. So yeah, I'll teach you how to supercharge your digestion, reduce your bloating and poop like a champ, which I think we all want to do. And most of us aren't either, we're either going too much or we aren't going enough. And that's a really big problem. Third week, we'll go through your adrenal health. So your adrenals are your stress, stress producing glands. And I'll show some simple ways on how to manage stress because I'm not someone who will tell you to like quit your job and meditate every single day because that's not real life for most people and not achievable. So I teach you how to manage your stress, whether your cortisol may be too high or too low or just out of whack. After that, we'll cover things like environmental toxins. So making sure that you're using the right products, skincare, household cleaning, give you my product recommendations, and I'll teach you the long-term impacts of some of these things and how to reduce your exposure in your environment. And finally, understanding your hormones and your menstrual cycle. So the whole goal of this is to be fun and educational and to provide you with the information to take care of your body for the rest of your life. So I'm going to equip you with all of the resources, different handouts, and you'll have access to all of this information forever. If you save that, then you've got it to refer back to in future years when some of these symptoms may crop up but we'll talk about the menstrual cycle and how to troubleshoot things maybe if it comes a little bit too early or late one month if you don't ovulate things to look out for and things that you can do really simply to improve that that situation and as i mentioned the private interactive facebook group you'll get to chat with other women in the uk maybe someone who lives nearby to you you can meet up you can help each other out Active support systems and yeah I think it'll be really fun I'm so excited to do this I've been it's been on my list for a while but I finally got round to it so if you're interested in that then please get in touch you can send me an email send me a dm and like I mentioned the enrollment will open in August so there's only 10 spots available and I've had a lot of interest in it already so I'm pretty sure it's going to fill up pretty quickly so let me know if you're if you're interested and I'll be sure to update you on the information with that one. Okay, so on to today's episode of 10 steps to clear a skin. What I will say is even if you're not dealing with acne, I think most of these things will apply. There may be slight tweaks, but a lot of skin symptoms and conditions are all have similar root causes as you're probably going to see with this as well. So you don't necessarily have to have a diagnosis of acne or struggle with it really badly. Your thing might be psoriasis or eczema or keratosis pilaris or dermatitis. You can absolutely implement some of these things and you will hopefully see an improvement as well. 
Okay, so my personal story, if you've listened to episode one of this podcast or just heard me talk on social media about my journey, acne has been one of my um, my worst symptoms that I struggled to get rid of for a long time. I'd say from the age of 18 to 22, 23, it was quite bad. And the majority of that time, I was actually on the pill as well. So the pill did help to reduce my breakouts but it never fully cleared up I'd say there was always every month a breakout and they'd be the deep cystic ones I'd had that I'd have and I could probably list 10 skin complaints that I've had in my life so I've had seborrheic dermatitis which felt affects your scalp so your hairline and around my nose um, and between my eyebrows it becomes really flaky and oily and really itchy sometimes as well and I've dealt with acne, like I mentioned, which would be usually in the lower part of my face, but I've had it like pretty much all over as well, which is fun. And the different types of acne, so blackheads, whiteheads, deep painful cysts that you can kind of feel without even looking in the mirror. You wake up and put your finger on your face and it's swollen and really painful sometimes. I've dealt with um, hives, so as a result of histamine sensitivity, I'm prone to getting hives. They're not really on my body and not that noticeable, but they would be on my face, so under my cheeks and under my eyes would be um, quite red and full of hives after I'd eaten something that I was sensitive to. My skin would be very itchy. I've had oily skin. I've had dry skin on my body. I've had keratosis pilaris, which is the chicken skin on the back of your arms, which is often a result of an essential fatty acid deficiency and or a gut imbalance as well. So again, you can implement, these recommendations will be very helpful regardless of what you're dealing with. So acne is very close to my heart and I know that there's a lot of experts uh, out there, so I do want to have them on to chat about some of those other things, but acne is really important to me and I would like to help as many people as I can overcome that acne because I finally got to a place where mine's pretty much under control and I know my triggers and I do have a few breakouts at the moment I get them um, at the sides of my chin underneath and that's because I've been unwell for the past couple of weeks uh, for the past week and that makes everything a little bit worse in my skin the skin is like a magic mirror into your internal health so if there's something going on inside then it often reflects in your skin obviously there's the people who are pretty much falling apart inside and they have amazing porcelain skin and look amazing all of the time but they're just like the outliers and a lot of times rashes and itchiness and different breakouts on your skin can indicate different things so I want to kind of go into that in a bit more detail during today's episode and if you've ever had any of these things you've probably been to a dermatologist or your doctor complaining that there's a problem especially if you've not struggled with it all your life if something just pops up then for me I'd be like what's going on something's obviously changed but in your doctor's eyes it's usually just bad luck it's genetic and the only options they have probably five things on rotation so if it's acne the birth control pill roaccutane maybe antibiotics and um, a cream, a lotion to put on, benzoyl peroxide, those types of things, and they'll send you on your way. And if you've been on any of those things, 
they'll come with side effects as well. If it's psoriasis, you're probably given steroids or creams or thick lotions to, to, um, to have a go with. But for me looking in now, back in the day, I would have totally been on board with that and just thought that it's an outside issue. But now I can not even consider that the outside is the issue. It's absolutely coming from internal and oftentimes in the gut. So number one is you want to heal your gut. This is the most important part, hence why it's number one. But what I will say from the other ones, they're not really in any order, but I think healing your gut is number one when it comes to skin problems because the gut-skin connection is so huge. There's been multiple different papers on that. And if you actually think about it, your internal skin, so the lining of your intestines, it's pretty much the same as your external skin. We're kind of like a doughnut. So what's on the inside is the same as the outside, if that makes sense. And there's a hole through the middle, which is your intestinal tract. So if there's inflammation inside, if there's bacterial overgrowth, there's also bacteria on your skin. So we have a microbiome inside, but that also reflects on the outside as well. So if there's inflammation or dysbiosis or too many bad bacteria, not enough good, then that can reflect in the skin as acne, eczema, psoriasis, etc. And your skin is actually part of your immune defense. So it doesn't just, um, it isn't just there to keep your body all together and protect you from things. It actually helps to excrete things. It helps to absorb things like the, the sun, sunlight, vitamin D, certain nutrients when you put them on, they can all absorb through your skin. And it's also important for excretion through sweats and sebum. So if there's inflammation inside, that can lead to skin inflammation. I'll include previous episodes that I've done on gut health because there's plenty. I always talk about gut health, especially in the connection to hormones. But for an overview, here are some things to maybe avoid and reduce your exposure to. The first one being unnecessary medication use. If you're on a prescription, if you have a medical condition, if you're dealing with something and working with a practitioner, then please don't just stop your medication. But if you're just taking painkillers every week, if you're taking antacids or omeprazole just because you get reflux all of the time, then some of these things can actually impact your gut health, which will have an in-turn reaction and effects on your skin as well. So the birth control pill is a big one. Sometimes the pill cleans up skin, so it makes it look beautiful because of its hormone-suppressing effects. Other times it can actually make skin worse. Um, and yeah, it really, really depends on the individual, what type of pill it is, those types of things. Medications like stomach acid blocking medications, I've mentioned omeprazole, but Tums, Gaviscon, these things suppress your stomach acid, so it makes it harder for you to break down your food correctly, absorb the nutrients, and you're more likely to develop bacterial overgrowths, nutrient deficiencies because of that as well. Artificial sweeteners are another thing to avoid, as is refined sugar, because sugar feeds the um, not-so-great bacteria and also yeast, if that's present. Everyone's got yeast, but some people are more prone to getting an overgrowth. And if your diet is filled with sugars, processed foods, alcohol, then you're much more likely to experience that as well. Artificial sweeteners, although they don't raise your blood sugar, so they may not affect your skin in that aspect, 
they actually act as antibacterial agents in your gut. So they kind of kill off your good bacteria and that allows other not so great things to overgrow as well. And just things like processed packaged foods that have got a lot of additives and fillers and unnecessary ingredients, they can all harm your gut health as can chronic stress. So stress is a whole nother subject on its own, which will come over in a couple of moments, but chronic stress can shut down your digestive enzyme production. So the stomach acid, but also your bile, your pancreatic enzymes, your um, enzymes in your small intestine can be destroyed because of stress as well. Because if you're eating something and you're stressed, your blood is going to be shunted away from your gut into your extremities so that you can run and fight things off if necessary and digestion isn't really necessary for short-term survival so your body doesn't know the difference between a stress that's just happening for the moment it thinks it's going to be happening long term so it really diverts all its energy and resources away from producing these enzymes and acids because they can be very energy intensive and difficult to make require a lot of atp from your body so if you're stressed, your body is taking all of that away and putting it into other important functions in your body. Then if you've looked at all of those things and avoided these things as well, and you're still not improving, then it's important to investigate things like gut infections. So SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, they've even done studies that have shown that people with SIBO after often have acne and vice versa. So there's a huge connection with that because if there's bacteria in your small intestine where they shouldn't be, ideally they should be in your large intestine where they ferment and break down your food and produce nutrients and energy and vitamins. If they're in your small intestine, they're actually hindering absorption. That's the, where the absorption takes place. And they can also stimulate your immune system because a lot of your immune tissue is in that location as well. So they can just mess things up cause a lot of problems and that can reflect in your skin quality healing breakouts all of that and just what i will say is that your skin will never improve if you've got a chronic gut infection in there so it really does need to be ruled out and i'm not talking about the stool test that you may have done from your doctor and um, they've told you that everything's fine maybe they've looked at h pylori or ruled out celiac disease but it can be much more complex than that and you need to dig a little bit deeper. So the only real test that I do anymore for digestive function is the GI map. This is something that I offer with clients and there will be an upgrade in the coaching program for you to get a discounted way of working with me as well. So if you wanted to run a test, then that's absolutely available as well. And you get access to like one-on-one -on -one coaching during that if that's, um, if that's important to you and you want to get, dig a little bit deeper. But the GI map is very comprehensive, looks at your digestion and absorption markers. It looks at bacteria, yeast, parasites. Parasites are actually very common, so don't think you don't have them because maybe you haven't been abroad or you haven't ever had food poisoning ab abroad. You can get them in the UK, you can get them in the US very commonly. Probably 60-70% of stool tests that I run often come back with a parasite. And you need to see what it is with a test to get, have the correct treatment because a lot of these things have similar symptoms but they all, all have different treatment protocols and it's important to always test and not guess when it comes to gut health because of that reason you could 
be on an anti-candida diet for a year, go really low carb, take all of these different candida, anti-candida herbs and not see any results. And that's because sometimes sugar cravings, bloating, itchy skin can be due to a parasite, not candida. So you've been wasting all of your money and time focusing on that and it wasn't the problem in the first place. So gut health, yeah, number one, the big thing. And you could be eating the best diet in the world as well doing yoga meditating every day but if you've got a chronic gut infection in there that's going to be a huge stressor a huge burden on your body and you can't expect your skin to be looking good if all of its energy nutrients and resources are going to repair in that chronic fire that's in your gut as well number two is you're going to want to support your liver detoxification and yes your liver does detoxify itself and that's why it's the some people say that we don't need to do anything. Detoxes are fad. Don't listen to them. They're money-making schemes. But it's actually a fact that some people have slow detoxification systems. The liver is functioning, but it's not keeping up with the demands of the modern world and all of these environmental toxins, um, medications, stress can overburden your gut, as can stress can overburden your liver, as can poor gut health. So if you've got all of these gut symptoms going on, all of that waste and byproducts are going to be sent to your liver, which can be overwhelmed. So environmental toxins like heavy metals, pesticides, poor water quality, plastics can all burden the liver. And your liver has a huge requirement for nutrients. If you've ever seen the liver detoxification chart, I recommend you Google search that. So type in liver detoxification nutrients go on the images and have a look and you'll be shocked how many things that there are so phase one there's um, a lot of b vitamins there's vitamin c antioxidants and um, vitamin e in there to convert the toxins which are natural maybe naturally produced or found in the environment phase one converts them into an intermediate step and most people are fine with phase one. Some people are actually fast phase one metabolizers. So they're processing all of these toxins, but they're actually getting them to an immediate step where they're actually a bit more toxic than they should be. And the phase two is too sluggish. So they're building up all of these extra toxins, but they can't actually get them out because maybe they're lacking amino acids from high quality protein. Maybe they're not digesting it properly because a lot of the core factors needed are things like glutamine, taurine, cysteine, sulfur. So if someone's a vegan or vegetarian, that's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of those diets, because they can often lack amino acids, which are crucial for phase two. And most people these days are fast phase one metabolizers, but slow phase tubes. So they end up with a buildup of toxins in their body. And I like to give the analogy just so you can understand that a little bit better of kind of um, emptying the bins at your home so emptying the rubbish the trash whatever you call it here's a little analogy that i think will help you to understand that a little bit more so your body creates its own toxins naturally from metabolism from processing your hormones once they've been used they need to be sent to the liver and then out through the body to be excreted and eliminated so you can imagine phase one being like you're collecting all of the bins from your home. So getting the one out of the bathroom, getting the one out of the living room, one out of the kitchen and putting them into one big bin. So you, that would be phase one. You're collecting everything up and taking it to the kitchen. 
you can imagine if there's a lot of rubbish, there's going to be a huge buildup in that bin and that can sometimes overflow. So you need to make sure that you're getting that bin outside to the curb for the bin men to come and collect it. So the garbage people to come and collect it from outside. So that would be phase two, you taking that bin outside to the curb ready to be collected. If that's not happening, you can end up with rubbish all over your kitchen, all over your home because phase one's too fast, but not getting it out the system. Phase three, which is in your liver when your, um, your toxins have been converted from fat soluble to water soluble, they get sent to either the kidneys to be excreted via urine or they get sent to your bowels to be excreted through bile into, um, they get sent to your bowel, sorry, to be excreted through bile in your stool. In the analogy type of explanation that I mentioned, that would be the bin men to come and collect it. So the garbage people, they come and collect it and take it out of the system. So that's ideally how it works, but you can see if something gets backed up, the people don't come to collect it, it gets all over your house at the front of your home, if you're not collecting it correctly in your home, then it can just be everywhere. So apologies if that was a little bit rubbish, but oh, hence the joke. I like that pun. I didn't mean that one, but it, sorry if it was a little bit hard to understand, but I think it's quite helpful and just go back and listen to it or try and educate yourself a little bit more. I'm not the best at analogies, but I thought I'd try. So nutrients are really important. So if you're nutrient deficient, if you're just expecting a juice cleanse to heal all of your problems, then you're actually missing a huge crucial point of this because yes, plants have protein, but step two, phase two needs high quality bioavailable protein that you probably require animal protein for to get the right amounts and to support your body in an optimal way as well. So liver supporting foods. I've made a list here. Obviously, everyone's bio-individual and some of these may not work for you. My favourites are eggs, organ meats, um, obviously, oily fish, fresh herbs like garlic, oregano, rosemary, parsley, sulphur. I mentioned is very important for phase two. Just being said that some people don't react well to high, high amounts of sulphur, whether that's from the nutrient MSM or things like eggs and meats, they may get sulfurous smelling gas or they may get some pains or headaches. So don't go like full in to having multiple of these nutrients every single day because it may make you a little bit worse. But there's an underlying issue there as well. If that's the case for you, it could be an issue with your digest digestive health or it could be something like a nutrient deficiency, particularly molybdenum but investigate that a little bit further to see if that's something that you're dealing with. And finally, you can do a lot of herbal teas, which can support your liver detoxification as well. Turmeric, ginger, milk thistle, nettle, dandelion, easy to include either in food form or herbal teas to drink throughout the day as well. And yeah, if your body's not getting these toxins out through the liver, it's going to find different pathways. So it's going to try the bowels if you're constipated or your gut's not working optimally. It's going to try the urinary system if that's struggling or there's dehydration or there's just too much toxins coming in. The next phase out is through the skin because remember your skin excretes waste. So if you see a lot of rashes and toxicity on the skin, then that's a sign that it's 
obviously coming from inside somewhere, but you just need to find out the root cause of that. Third step is to regulate your blood glucose and insulin. So I mentioned about my little experiment recently with the blood glucose monitor, which I'm having fun with, but this isn't a requirement to see how you're going on. You can actually see through food how it's working for you. So if you, if you know that you have insulin resistance or blood sugar issues, high blood sugar, you've been diagnosed with maybe pre-diabetes in the past, then you're probably going to require a smaller amount of carbohydrates than other people whereas if you are constantly hypoglycemic your blood sugar's dropping then you may need to eat more frequently and something like intermittent fasting wouldn't be great for you whereas the insulin resistant person it may be it's all very bio-individual and this is why i help people with in private one-on-one coaching but also this will be covered in the group coaching sessions as well and the connection between blood glucose levels and your skin health is strong. So acne has been referred to in certain research papers and by certain um, researchers, studies, as being diabetes of the skin. So you can see that in diabetics, this like severe end of the spectrum where people have severe dysregulation of blood sugar, they have really elevated levels in the bloodstream if they cut their leg then they can get infections and poor wound healing as well and acne is usually a less severe form of that but it's still infection of the skin infection of the pores inflammation poor wound healing um, so we have to take that into consideration as well so what happens when we eat particularly foods containing carbohydrates so these are either your quote unhealthy carbohydrates sugar fruit juices um pasta white bread white rice all the the things that we hear about cakes and biscuits but it could also be things like healthy carbohydrates from root vegetables fruits gluten-free products and like oats and quinoa they're all carbohydrates and a combination of either glucose and fructose or sucrose and they all have similar responses in the body. Obviously, fruit's going to have more nutrients than something like white bread, but they all have similar responses once we consume them. So once it's passed through the gut and the digestive system, it's absorbed into the bloodstream and our blood glucose levels start to rise. And this is normal. And what happens is when it gets to a certain point, our blood sugar doesn't like to be too high or too low. It's very regulated. It's something called homeostasis. So your body really prioritizes keeping things in within range, like your blood pressure, like your heart rate, and like your blood sugar. These are like the vital things that it likes to work on. And when it gets to a certain point, this triggers your um, pancreas to produce a hormone called insulin, which is a hormone that shuttles all of the glucose from your bloodstream, the excess glucose, into your cells to use as energy. So when this happens normally, your blood sugar rises, so does insulin, and that takes the blood glucose into the cell to use as fuel so that you can move and exercise, all of those things. When it happens too chronically, so your blood sugar is chronically high, maybe you have um, a diet that's really high in refined carbohydrates for your personal needs, so maybe you're sedentary but you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, then insulin's being required to be produced over and over again. Or there's another thing when the cell becomes damaged, so the cell receptors for insulin become damaged for 
many different reasons like chronic stress, nutrient deficiencies, and chronic inflammation, then the glucose can't actually get into the cell with insulin's help anymore. So there's many different mechanisms behind insulin resistance, and it's not just the carbohydrates that are the problem. So we can't just go low carb, but expect everything to be miraculously healed. There's multiple different factors. I have a blog post on this, which I'll include in the show notes as well, if you're interested on the root causes of insulin resistance and how to overcome it. But what can happen is your cells become resistant. So insulin is pumping away all day long, trying to get into the cell. And it's like when you're in the car and you hear the same song over and over again. Initially, you middle of the song, you sing along to it and it's your favourite, but then over and over, if it's in the charts, you hear it every single day, multiple times a day, and you start to become resistant to it. You actually start to hate it and block it out. And that's what can happen in at a cellular level, probably in more scientific terms than that. But again, I'm not the best at analogies, but I think that one's pretty helpful as well. And if your blood sugar level then either drops too low or spikes too high, this is a very inflammatory, stressful situation for your body because as I mentioned, this is one of the things that's tightly regulated and very important to your body. So when it drops too low, that stimulates a stress response. So cortisol and adrenaline can be produced, which function to bring glucose back up to normal ranges. Obviously, this is good in the short term. This is what we want, but... You can imagine if it's happening multiple times per day, your stress response is going to be kicking off a lot of the time. And that can really throw you into adrenal dysregulation and um, other conditions like that, like thyroid issues and even hormonal imbalances like PCOS. You really need to be careful that this isn't happening as well. And when, when glucose is too high, obviously insulin is going to be right there with it as well because they're best friends. But for some individuals, um, high insulin levels can trigger excess sebum production so sebum is obviously in your pores that kind of gets clogged up so sebum gives the oiliness to your skin so it's produced by oil glands and if you have pcos um, a lot of women have um, insulin resistance so the excess insulin can trigger the the ovaries to actually overproduce male hormones androgens like testosterone as well so high insulin also creates a lot of inflammation and inflammation plus sebum production is a recipe for clogged pores or inflammatory skin conditions like that as well. Symptoms that your blood sugar may be a little bit off are going to be things like fatigue after eating or feeling hungry within a couple of hours, craving sweets right after you've just had a big meal. It could be that you have feelings of shakiness or irritability, hangry between meals, or needing to snack frequently, feeling low energy, sweating. Obviously, this could be at a severe level or it could be pretty minor. So just keep a track and really tune into your body to see if this is something that you're dealing with. It's actually very common. And these are all signs that maybe your blood sugar is too high or too low, or it's just messed up. So you need to really pay attention to that as well. And you have got the option of blood glucose testing. I think it can be helpful for a short period of time just to figure out what's going on. Um, I feel so a bit like tracking calories. I don't recommend it every day, but it can be helpful if you've just no idea what you're eating to download an app for a couple of days or use a monitor, track it for three days and then delete it and you'll know how to go on for a couple of weeks then. I have a free download on my website as well 
which goes into the optimal ranges that it should be. Um, obviously, not getting anywhere near pre-diabetes, which your doctor may only be looking out for. But the functional optimal levels. So if you go onto my website, Viva Natural Health, there's a download section. I'll link it in the show notes, which goes through the um, optimal ranges, when to track, how to track, what I use, all of those good good things. Even if you've had your blood glucose and insulin checked by your doctor they may have said that it's normal you're on within range everything's good you've got nothing to worry about sadly the only things that they usually test are your fasting glucose and i suppose maybe your hba1c which is a three-month marker of blood glucose and how it's being controlled and managed so they could be absolutely fine but you could still have a problem with blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance so the, the recommendations that I make is to have your fasting insulin checked as well. This may not be something that they'll be willing to do. So it may be something that you'd have to run privately. Um, I find that being a problem a lot of the time that it's just not recognised or um, believed to be important by the NHS in the UK. So fasting insulin would help you see if you're maybe on the scale of insulin resistance as well. And if you have it available to you doing something like an oral glucose tolerance test with insulin to see how your body's responding after foods, because it may look absolutely perfect. And I've experienced this myself. My fasting glucose was fine. My insulin was fine in the mornings. But after eating, there's been an exaggerated insulin response afterwards, which can drive weight gain, drive insulin resistance, drive hormonal imbalances and skin issues as well. So these are all important to rule out and long-term dysregulation and dysfunction can obviously lead to more serious problems like type 2 diabetes and then if that progresses further, heart disease, Alzheimer's, things like that, which are obviously not great things and so we want to do our best to avoid them in the, short, in the long term as well. So how do we regulate our blood sugar? It's very individual but there are some guidelines that i'd like to share with you as well it's not just about carbohydrates and sugars like i mentioned um inflammation stress nutrient deficiencies all play a role as well but as a guideline again just take this with a grain of salt at every single meal and snack that you have you need to ensure that you're having some sort of protein in there so healthy proteins like Fish, chicken, eggs, collagen, beef, lamb, animal proteins are my favourite to recommend just because of the high quality um, intake and they don't have a lot of carbohydrates in there. So if you are insulin resistant, then that could be an issue. So the other thing to combine that with would be a healthy fat. So something like olive oil, um, avocado, butter, ghee, um, cacao for some people, which is raw chocolate, nuts and seeds coconut product as well all of these healthy fats plus protein helps to really stabilize your blood sugar levels plus they are the building blocks to produce your sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone which are important next on your plate you want to make sure that there's a source of um, healthy carbohydrates and fibers so the the ratio between starches and non-starchy vegetables really depends on what else is going on but focusing on non-starchy leafy greens, broccoli, cabbage, those types of things can help with detoxification of hormones and that phase one and phase two liver support um, that we've spoken about. 
And then the starches, if you're very insulin resistant, maybe have PCOS as your driver of acne and skin issues, then reducing these, but I don't recommend like low carb or ketogenic diets for the majority of people. So just pay attention to how you feel, maybe do some tracking and see what works best for you as well. And I have been requested to do more episodes in blood sugar balance and inflammation, anti-inflammatory diets. So absolutely, I'll be covering that in the future. So for now, just focus on real foods that are grown from the ground that you could have killed or picked or grown yourself and the carbohydrates that you have. Focus on less of the processed packaged simple carbohydrates and more of the fruits, root vegetables. Um, that you're probably aware of. Step four is to regulate the stress response. And it's not all bad. Stress isn't bad. It's essential for life. It gets us out of bed in the morning. It protects us maybe if we get an infection. It helps us get up and go every single day. But it's the chronic, unrelenting, unresolved stress that's the issue. And there's been linked to probably every single health condition that you can think of. It causes them or exacerbates them skin conditions included it can affect every single cell in the body it can shut down digestive function so that was step one it can prevent the proper absorption of food it can throw off our blood sugar because when we're stressed our blood glucose rises because our body perceives that we may have to run from danger so it gives us an extra boost of energy just in case that happens it can make our, our gut favour more pathogenic bacteria rather than the beneficial types and it can reduce our immunity in our guts which can lead us to develop something like SIBO or parasites um, down the line as well. Plus it increases inflammation which can create clogged pores and cause um, difficulties with skin healing and stress can increase pro-inflammatory cytokines which are signaling molecules which can disrupt the skin's microbiome as well our body really hasn't adapted to the stress response that we had 10,000 years ago because back in the day the stresses would be life or death so either we're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger we were being chased out of our home we were fighting with a different tribe and these days our stresses are much different to that but our body has a similar response so blood pressure increases blood sugar increases blood is shunted to the extremities to fight flight or freeze but today's stresses are bills finances family relationships work social media so we don't necessarily need that stress response but our body can't help it and you may not even think about some of the other stresses like imbalanced blood sugar is a stress dehydration eating foods that you're sensitive to is a stress as well so you really need to rule some of these things out because chronic stress can absolutely cause or worsen acne and we need to spend more time if you take anything from this spend more time in a parasympathetic state so the rest digest and heal as opposed to flight fight or flight but you need to find what works for you because I could tell you to go and meditate every morning for an hour. But if you hate meditation, if you can't sit still or if you have a really busy morning, then that's just going to make you more stressed. So for you, it could be cleaning your car. It could be walking the dog or going for a salsa class. You need to find what works best for your body, puts you in that flow state, reduces cortisol and 
we can also change our mindset, which is the final point from today. But I'm going to save that so we can really dive into that as well. But I will say that stressing about acne is not going to help your situation or whatever skin condition that you're dealing with as well. Number five, we want to identify and remove any potential food sensitivities. Food sensitivities aren't the problem. They are often a result of a deeper imbalance. Obviously, we all have maybe one or two foods that we're either allergic to or just sensitive to for whatever reason. But if you're, in, if you're inflamed or reacting to multiple different foods, the answer isn't just keep cutting foods out of your diet until you're left with nothing and trying different food elimination diets to see if your acne improves because you're going to be left with five foods and find it really difficult to heal and overcome your symptoms long term. They'll probably even get worse, which I see a lot of the time as well. So there's common inflammatory foods that you can start by eliminating. These are ones that a lot of people do need to keep out for the most part, apart from eggs. So the list is gluten, dairy, corn, soy and eggs. The other four, then maybe you need to limit them long term. Eggs, sadly, they are an acne trigger for some people. That being said, duck eggs may be a good alternative. I totally tolerate them fine and a lot of people do. I don't know why, but... If you're reacting to chicken eggs, maybe try duck eggs as a good alternative because they're such a good nutrient resource and food to include if you can. And start by eliminating them for 30 to 60 days, but keep a journal maybe if your skin improves or if it gets worse. I don't recommend keeping one every single day because it can get a little bit stressful and confusing. But if you take notes of the days when it's particularly good, write down maybe in a notes on your in the notes section on your phone what's different so have you added something in have you eliminated something over the past couple of days or when it's particularly bad have you added something new or was something changed or taken away from your diet that's resulted in your skin problems i feel like that's a much better way of tracking than just doing it every single day and getting overwhelmed by that as well so if you're not improving on a healthy diet free from some of these common allergens, you can consider going a little bit deeper. So the next food to consider would be cacao or chocolate. So I'm sorry to give you this news if there's anybody out there who's a chocoholic, but there's a compound in chocolate that can cause a lot of issues for people who are sensitive and maybe acne prone or have eczema because this can be an issue for those people as well. Even the dairy-free, sugar-free, organic, fur trade, whatever, chocolate can still be problematic. For me, it's one of my biggest triggers. So just give it a go and you can just be aware with some of these foods. You may not have to remove them long term, but if you know that they trigger acne, at least you can be aware that that may be the case. You can accept that and choose to eat it or not, um, whatever you decide. From there, if you're still having issues and you've addressed all of these other things that I've, got to, I've mentioned about your gut, you've um, looked at your blood sugar balance, you've managed your stress, but you're still having issues, consider looking deeper into the nightshade family, histamine family, and salicylate family. But what I will say is I don't recommend going this alone because it's very complex and there's root causes to all of these things. If you just remove the foods and reintroduce them and react and you've not actually worked on your gut health you're just putting them back into an unhealthy um, un 
little leaky gut if you're just taking them out reintroduce them your gut's still leaky then that's a bit of a waste of time and yeah you're not going to experience real benefit from that either so do it at the same time as a gut healing diet focusing on the other things and then making sure your immune system's regulated before you reintroduce them and you've got a much better tolerance to them um, a lot of the time so my personal biggest triggers were and still are in excess are going to be chocolate citrus or lemon water is a no-no for me fermented foods again the all of the rage these days but for me they're one of the worst things avocados almonds and cashews i think i overdid the almonds and cashews so that's another point if you're eating the same foods every single day and maybe you've got some underlying health imbalances then if you're prone to leaky gut then you can actually develop um, food sensitivities to some of the healthy foods so please switch up your meals don't eat the same thing every single day because you probably will become sensitive to it and that's no fun step six is to get your hormones checked if you've been following me for a while you know that i'm a hormone geek and talk about hormones all the time but probably the biggest hormone imbalance i see in women with adult acne is pcos something that i kind of specialize in something that i have personally it's believed that one in ten women even up to one in five women have pcos there's all different types there's different symptoms and collections of symptoms that you may be having so if you're dealing with adult acne and you're female um, maybe you are also experiencing irregular cycles or delayed ovulation or just hormonal symptoms in general hair loss on your head facial hair growth or excess body hair growth weight or metabolic issues then i would definitely recommend going and getting checked out for um, pcos and making sure that your doctors do a thorough investigation not just an ultrasound or not just one blood test make sure they dive dig deep looking into your insulin and again i have a resource on my website with the the test to request for PCOS so that one rhymes so you should be able to remember that one but even if you're not considering PCOS that guide's just great anyway because it goes through some of the markers that pretty much anyone with hormones should get checked um, if you're female um, pretty regularly maybe once a year just to see how everything's happening but for PCOS yeah I send my clients with these markers to get investigated um, whenever we're trying to find out what's going on as well so high androgen levels which is common in PCOS but you may not have PCOS and have high testosterone for whatever reason um, you don't have to be overweight to have PCOS you don't have to have cysts on your ovaries so there's all of these common misconceptions as well and not always but sometimes the acne is just located in the bottom half of the face but this could also be due to gut issues so that's a little bit confusing as well and the problem with high androgen levels particularly a hormone called dihydrotestosterone which is dht it's a very potent androgen and that can drive sebum production which is responsible for oily skin oily hair and another hormone that you need to consider is high cortisol so stress again that may be really elevated and stress can reduce progesterone production leave you estrogen dominant so there's all these different kinds of hormonal imbalances you may also be experiencing pms or irregular cycles so this could indicate that your your skin issues are hormonal in nature if you're 
skin gets worse at certain times of the month or around your cycle and it's in a cyclic pattern then again that points to a hormonal imbalance but hormones again aren't usually the root cause that as a result of another imbalance so it requires a lot further investigation as well finally low thyroid function can lead to skin problems and acne breakouts because your thyroid is your master metabolism gland so it controls the turnover of cells and the renewal and growth and repair so if that dial's turned down everything slows down so your skin cell turnover slows down so your skin can become more proliferative things aren't being shed correctly things that be detoxified correctly your gut slows down so obviously there's the impact there as well your digestion ability really slows down as well so if you've again been told that your thyroid is fine but they've only tested tsh and t4 then you need to find someone who will help you do a full thyroid panel we've discussed this on again multiple episodes along with gut health so i'll include those in the show notes what i think would be helpful but yeah just the tsh isn't enough we need multiple different more factors and investigations to see what's going on to rule out subclinical hypothyroidism or full-blown because it's often underdiagnosed or the reference ranges are just so wide that you are commonly missed. Along with the blood testing, I also recommend the Dutch test quite often to clients as a comprehensive hormonal panel that's done via urine. So it's not just looking at your levels of hormones like estrogen and progesterone, it actually looks at the metabolites as well. So your blood levels of something like testosterone, for example, could be perfectly in range. But when we look at how you're breaking that down, how it's being processed, it could actually be being turned into a very potent form of the testosterone called DHT that I mentioned. So it's important to rule those things out as well. And the Dutch test is non-invasive. I'll tag the episode with Dr. Carrie Jones, who's the medical director for the company who runs this. And I've no affiliation with this company at all. I just use it very commonly and very successfully with clients too. And the good thing about the Dutch test is that, that it looks at both your sex hormones and your stress hormones. So you get an idea as to how much stress may be playing a role in that as well. And it also gives you some insight into whether nutrient deficiencies could be playing into it as well, which leads us on to our next point is that you need to restore nutrient deficiencies to overcome your skin issues. If you've had a long history of being on the birth control pill, if you've been on some of these acid suppressing medications or antibiotics, you may have several, several crucial nutrient deficiencies that are driving your skin issues because your skin is like an organ and it has a high requirement for nutrients. So if you're lacking in something, then a certain process of your skin health could be impaired, whether that's the shedding of the skin, the microbiome balance of the skin, the inflammation of the skin. So I'll run through some of the key nutrient deficiencies um, and things to be aware of when it comes to skin health. The first one is amino acids. So they come from high quality protein. I've listed a few of my favorites earlier. These are the building blocks for your skin production. So you can imagine Legos, little Legos build um, a structure and that would be your skin. Vitamin C, it's important for collagen, collagen production and healing. So if you notice your skin is easily bruising or it's lackluster, it's not glowing, it's not healing correctly, and then it could be vitamin C related. Zinc is important for sebum control. So if you're having too much sebum production in your skin, that's leading to clogged pores. 
and it helps to regulate androgens as well. So if you are prone to androgen excess with a condition like PCOS, then zinc may be helpful to control that as well in your skin and really reduce your, your exposure to breakouts. B vitamins are crucial for um, phase one liver detoxification. Um, antioxidants, important for free radical damage and repair of tissues and reducing inflammation. So in acne and skin issues, there's a lot of inflammation and damage going on to the cells. Our skin is bombarded by external chemicals, sunlight, UV rays, which can cause um, antioxidants to be depleted and require a higher need for antioxidants because of the free radical damage that takes place as well. Magnesium is important for adrenal and glucose control. So that meaning it helps to regulate the stress aspect and the blood sugar insulin aspect. Omega-3 fatty acids are anti-inflammatory and help with the cellular structure. So if you have more pro-inflammatory fats in your skin, then that's going to be leading to um, a lot of inflammatory conditions and it can affect the microbiome of the skin as well because they feed on the fats of your skin. So you want to make sure that you're giving it the anti-inflammatory healthy fats from omega-3s in particular. And you could be eating all of these foods and paying attention, making sure that you're getting them through diet. But again, are you absorbing it? Are you taking medication that are blocking it? Always start with your gut. But some of my favorite foods that you can really emphasize to get some of these nutrients in would be organ meats because they're nature's multivitamin. They contain a lot of amazing foods. And one of the nutrients that I haven't mentioned, a family of nutrients, is the fat-soluble vitamins. Vitamins A, D, E, and K. These are crucial for skin function. They pretty much help every single aspect of skin health and every single aspect of cellular health just throughout your body as well because there's a receptor for vitamin D on every single cell of the body. So most people in the UK are deficient because we only get sun like a week out of the year. Um, I think that's this week, but a lot of people need to pay attention to it and again the reference range is from your gp and the nhs are so broad and you're probably told that it's normal but ideally it should be around 75 to 100 so ask for your results ask for a copy and actually see if you have a problem or not because it's so so prevalent these days and if your symptoms are worse after stopping the birth control pill then that's a big sign of a big indication of maybe nutrient deficiencies. It could be also due to something called an androgen rebound. Some of the pills are very androgen suppressing, so that's why they help with PCOS a lot of the time and acne, they clear skin up because they really shut down the oil glands and your hormones and your androgens. So when you come off, these things start to learn to work again and they can be a little bit hyperactive to begin with. So it could be the result of an androgen rebound, but a lot of the time, skin issues that exacerbate when you come off the pill is often due to that nutrient deficiency aspect as well, especially if you're noticing other symptoms or your period hasn't returned, then definitely look into that as well. We have to remember that vitamins and minerals are the core factors for thousands of enzymatic reactions in the body. So if you're lacking in just one thing, take vitamin D, for example, there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of different things in your body that aren't working. And your skin may be your number one concern, but I can guarantee that if your skin's off, there's going to be something else in the body that's not working optimally, optimally as well. 
And if you're doing all of these nutrient dense foods, sometimes you do require a little bit of an extra boost because soil depletion, foods aren't perfect these days, stress can deplete nutrients. So you can turn to supplements for a therapeutic time to help to restore some of these deficiencies. But make sure that you're not just buying the cheap brands that are full of fillers and bulking agents just because you can get three for 10 at the local shop. It doesn't mean that they're good or effective. Hence why the ones that I use in clients and practice, and I can definitely recommend them during um, the Hormones and Harmony group coaching program. Um, so looking at ones that are free of some of these allergens, free of some of these ingredients that can affect gut health negatively. And speaking of supplements and nutrients, there's also an issue with nutrient access that you need to be aware of, especially if you're trying to do all of the right things. You're taking loads of supplements, but you notice your skin's getting worse. That could be because you're getting too much of a particular nutrient. The big family is B vitamins, but particularly vitamin B12 um, can really exacerbate acne in sensitive people. So if you're having a B12 in your supplement, you're also eating B12 rich foods, you're eating algae and nutritional yeast and all of these different things, then you could just be getting too much of that one. Um, another one is omega-6. So if, you can take, if you're taking maybe an omega complex or you're having lots of nuts and seed oils, almond oil, or eating a ton of nuts and seeds in your diet, then you could be getting too much omega-6. And even though it's from the better forms rather than the industrial seed oils, it's still pro-inflammatory in excess. And the final one is iodine. So if you've read that iodine is good for skin health or hair growth, and you just start taking it at really high doses, then it could trigger acne breakouts. Same if you're eating seaweed, it could be a problem. Okay, so we're nearly there. The next one is to clean up your environment. So you could be doing all the right things, eating the right diet, organic food, but a lot of people overlook the importance of environmental toxins because they can't see them. And maybe they're not getting the negative reactions straight away from them. They often put them on the back burner and said that it's something that we'll get to eventually. And yeah, I don't expect everyone to completely overhaul their life and buy brand new products of everything uh, in the kitchen and in the bathroom and the personal care products but it is very important because some of these toxic chemicals in conventional skincare products are skin irritants so SLS for example um, fluoride in toothpaste can can lead to perioral dermatitis but the other mechanism how they work is that a lot of them are hormone disrupting chemicals endocrine disruptors so they can actually enter through your skin or on the food that you're eating or exposed to uh, that you're breathing. And they can actually, at a biochemical level, they can actually sit in the hormone receptor sites for things like estrogen and either displace it, so not allow it to work functionally and optimally, or it can actually um, exacerbate and cause a lot of um, problems with excess hormones because your hormones like microscopic and some of these chemicals so they can actually look very similar and cause a lot of problems in terms of skin health now but also long down down the line as well if you don't address some of these things and you're constantly exposed they've been linked to terrible things like cancer breast cancers um infertility development of endometriosis and pcos in your offspring so if you're wanting kids then this is something to really pay attention to as well and you can make your own skincare products and all these things 
swapping your kitchenware into glass or stainless steel or ceramic rather than plastic. So stop microwaving in plastic and drinking from a plastic bottle in your kitchen and your home using non-toxic cleaning products. I've actually got an episode on this coming out soon, so in the next couple of weeks with Laura Abler, who's the environmental toxins nerd on Instagram. So please go and listen to um, that episode when it's out and follow her on Instagram now because she really breaks it down and gives us like step-by-step instructions and step-by-step recommendations on how to not be overwhelmed but slowly transition our way into a more organic, non-toxic lifestyle um, with that with those things another resource that i like to recommend and um, point people to is the environmental working group the website is an amazing resource that you can maybe scan your products on they have a smartphone app called skin deep you can scan your uh, moisturizers and your shampoos to see how toxic they are you can also search the ingredients so if the product's not listed on the database then you can actually search ingredient by ingredient and see what they've been linked to, how, how important they are to swap. So I think you'll find that one really helpful. And again, this is a process. Don't throw everything out unless you're like all or nothing person and are financially able to. But for the average person, just next time you need a new mascara, buy a cleaner brand. Next time you need a new kitchen cleaner, buy an organic non-toxic one or make your own. It's as simple as that. Okay, so we're nearly there with step number nine is to correct your skincare regime. And I'm absolutely no expert on, I'm not like an aesthetician or expert in this area, but I've been taught a ton about this from my friend Sarah at Healthy Skin Glows. We did an episode, I think it was episode number four or five. I'll link that in the show notes as well. We really we had a 90-minute chat basically on the importance of skincare products, using non-toxic, but also how to layer, how to use beauty actives to really upgrade your skin and help with healing acne and skin conditions from the outside. So I believe that probably 80 to 90% of it is internal, but the rest can be um, external factors as well because certain products can clog the pores, it can affect and disrupt the skin microbiome, too much stripping of the skin, too much exfoliation, too many harsh products and chemicals can actually exacerbate things and make things worse. And if you dry your skin out too much, it'll produce too much oil. So the skin barrier is so important. And I learned a ton about this from Sarah as well. I had no idea about um, ceramides and hyaluronic acid and all of that, but I've learned so much. And my skin has really improved since incorporating some of her advice as well so please listen to that episode go and follow sarah at healthy skin glows you'll find a ton of important information on that as well but some key points that i've learned is to keep exfoliation to a minimum so before i was definitely one of those people who were using the centives apricot scrub um, multiple times per week and the clarisonic every night and clay masks and acids and all of these things my skin never looked um, my skin never looked worse really so she recommends keeping it to a minimum maybe once or twice per week um, you may not even need that much but as you get older your skin naturally um, the natural exfoliation process does slow down a little bit so you may require more as you get older but using something really gentle she recommends um, ground oats which I find to be helpful as well and not using too many chemical products and 
if you do a physical scrub one day, not doing a chemical scrub on the same day as well, because that's just too much. So twice a week is a good place to start. She also mentions about the importance of beauty actives. So I personally use green tea extract, niacinamide. I would like acid and vitamin C with great success, but everyone's skin's different, like the food aspect, everyone's bio-individual. Another really helpful thing that has been game-changing for me is raw manuka honey. This couldn't get any simpler or easier and more natural, but basically using raw manuka honey as a face wash a couple of times a week if, I'm, if my skin's clean and I've, I've not worn any makeup, or using it as a mask for an hour or so after cleansing once a week because it's naturally antibacterial but it's not going to disrupt the skin microbiome too much it helps to draw in moisture it helps to repair and heal any present acne marks or hyperpigmentation or scars they actually use it in hospitals and things on wounds because it's that effective i've also found that clay masks um, every so often if your skin's quite oily and prone to clog pores then clay masks can be helpful too my personal absolute favourite is the Lena Wild um, clay mask. I forgot, forgot the name, but I will add it into the show notes as well. But her stuff is very gentle, gently exfoliating, and it's a mixture of different clays, things like green tea, matcha powder. So I absolutely love that one. But a cheaper alternative is the Amazonian clay mask that you can get on Amazon. Pretty cheap and cheerful, and it's got many different reviews on that. So I feel like that's well loved by the acne community another thing that's commonly spoken about is oil cleansing so some people don't tolerate this at all and it can make things worse especially if you've got fungal acne which is often um, more rash like and itchy so please don't use this if you have um if you have fungal acne or think that you might do the best oils really depend on what type of skin you have so jojoba oil is usually the most tolerated whatever your skin whether it's dry or oily because it's naturally kind of similar to sebum in the skin and oil cleans oil so it's like for like if you try and clean the greasy pan with just water then it's not going to help if you add some oil in there as well it'll help to pull out all of the grime and gunk and that's the same with oil cleansing so if your skin's more dry i believe that sunflower oil is the best for you to use if your skin's more oily grapeseed oil could be helpful um argan oil is pretty neutral as well i believe but please reference to sarah for that as well so i highly recommend sarah's online course as well um i am an affiliate for that but i thought i'd add it into this episode because i know that some people will just be at the end of the rope and just want to find some answers so this is absolutely worth every single penny i actually think it's a steal for what it is for the information that you get it's an online course that you go at your own self pace and learn about the skin microbiome lipid barrier beauty actives all of these different things to overcome acne and prevent it from reoccurring as well so um if you use the code vivian 10 so it's v-i-v-i-e-n 10 then you'll get 10 percent off that one as well i'll include that in the show notes so that you don't forget but that'll get you 10 percent off but as i mentioned it's already a steal in my opinion for the information that you're given. Sarah is a molecular biologist, so she really knows her stuff, and I absolutely trust her opinion. And she's not trying to sell you anything all of the time. She doesn't have her own skincare line, so she's just coming at this from a really outside perspective and trying to help people because she's been through acne as well. So she really understands 
the importance of internal, external and using non-toxic products throughout this as well. Finally, we've come on to number 10, which is mindset. So if you're dealing with any health condition, regardless of what it is, your mindset coming into it is so important and shouldn't be overlooked. If you hate your body, if you hate your skin, if you tell yourself that you're ugly, if you never look in mirrors all day long, um, then I don't believe that you're ever going to fully overcome your issues. All these things are going to translate into something else. If your skin does miraculously clear up, then these negative vibes will kind of spread through the body and cause more stress and anxiety somewhere else as well. So next time something pops into your mind or you look in the mirror and start to criticize yourself, stop and ask, would you say some of these things to a best friend or your child? Would you say that you're ugly or everyone's judging you, everyone's staring at your skin? More than likely you wouldn't say that. So you shouldn't actually say that to yourself as well. What you do need to do is accept your skin at this present moment. And as hard as that can be, it's actually very freeing. Sometimes the stress of trying to control everything too much. So I know that I give you a lot of information today, but I absolutely don't want you to feel overwhelmed or stressed. Just start one at a time, maybe go back and listen, make some notes, write things down and work through them one at a time. But the stress sometimes of trying to control it and being too clean with diet and over-exercising and taking all of these supplements can actually make things worse because of the stress of it. So try not to let acne rule your life and don't let it stop you from living your life while you have it. Make sure you, you still go out with friends, don't cancel plans. It's not going to help kind of staying indoors and not doing anything. It's letting acne kind of win the battle and you're kind of being a victim of your skin and that's there's much there's much more um problematic situations in the world than acne and i can say that as i've struggled with it in the past and probably at the time i would be like no i don't agree with that at all it's like one of the worst things ever but looking back in hindsight the stress of restricting yourself and isolating yourself is much worse than acne it can actually cause detriment to mental health and things so some people actually have conditions that are um life-threatening and incurable and much worse than a skin problem and i absolutely agree and respect that a lot of these skin problems can be pretty um, traumatizing but there are answers there are things that you can do to improve it and it's not a life sentence i truly believe that as well so you have to remember that it's a process too. So it's not going to be an overnight or a quick fix thing. We're so used to that these days with modern medicine and social media and the internet. We want Amazon Prime for our skin within next day delivery. Once it's here now, we're doing one, we've had a salad for our dinner, so we should have clear skin already, but that's absolutely not the case. There's going to be days where your skin's worse. There's, there's going to be weeks where it seems to be improving and then something happens, but as long as you're moving in the right direction and there's more good days than bad, then that's a good thing. And what I will say is that the inside out aspect is very crucial. So instead of spending money on serums and exfoliations and um, lasers and all of these chemical peels at salons, using that money for organic food and maybe an acupuncture session here and there to manage your stress 
is going to be a lot better received by your body and a lot more beneficial in my opinion and don't be trying to do this all alone as well because it is very complex as you've seen there's 10 steps and a lot of them can be quite confusing especially if you're not in this business like for me this is my job and I've studied for years and years like thousands of hours on this thousands of pounds trying to figure everything out for myself this is why I help people these days with the symptoms that they have because I've been there and I understand and I look at the whole body, not just the skin as an external factor, something completely separate to what's going on in the body. It takes a very holistic approach to some of these conditions. And if you have no idea where to start, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like you've tried everything after listening to this podcast and you've still got no idea what to do, you need to find a skilled practitioner. And I may not be the person for you, but there's absolutely hundreds of people out there who are happy to help you, willing to help you, but it does take a little bit of money to find someone who, to, who can help you. It's an investment, but I can tell you that it's very important and you're probably going to spend more time, money and stress in the long run, trying different things out, different supplements, different skincare and not getting any answers. So sometimes it can be helpful to just make that investment, get some help and remove yourself from the situation let someone else help you and figure out what's going on because it's hard to see the wood for the trees sometimes when it comes to your own health and even I ask for advice ask for different opinions when something happens with my health even like the recent health scare I was straight asking other people what they think it is because I'm like oh yeah it's this it's this it must be this I have to do this and it was probably something else so don't feel like you're alone in this journey I love the acne communities the acne skincare positivity on instagram but again the people who are accepting it and just living with it and not actually trying to overcome it then i think that's actually problematic as well because acne is not normal it's a sign of a deeper problem as well and i feel like there's so much that you can do and it's a it's a sign from your body that something's off it's a barometer of your health so instead of thinking negatively that your skin's breaking out, your skin's actually trying to be healthy and protect you. It's trying to get something out or it's trying to let you know that something's going off inside. So reframing your mindset and thinking of the positives, being thankful that your body is giving you a sign that something's up rather than being one of those people who either ignore everything or don't really get any symptoms that they notice and then down the line they have something more serious happen it's oftentimes less fixable or really difficult to fix and it's gone on for too long so I actually I don't enjoy getting acne breakouts these days but when something pops up I'm like oh it must be this like this is telling me something this is some information that I can use and work with but again take things one step at a time listen to this episode again if you enjoyed this episode and you want more episodes like this so deep dives into certain conditions like I mentioned, we're going to be getting different experts on other skin conditions. So this has been a lot focused on acne, but you can absolutely, as you can see, use this information for not just skin conditions, even just for anything. This is like the foundations of health. And when you're healthy, your skin's clear, your hormones are balanced, everything's working optimally because when your body has the right environment, the right building blocks, the right resources and tools, it can thrive and doesn't have to deal with some of these symptoms. So what I'd like you to do is, if you've enjoyed this, please leave me a rating and review. If you enjoyed this particular episode, I'd love seeing when you screenshot this and share it with your friends, someone who's maybe dealing with acne. 
or someone who you think would benefit from this information. Leave me a comment on Instagram if there's any takeaway, key points that you've learned from this episode or found particularly valuable because I'd love to hear that you're all benefiting from this information. It keeps me motivated to share more as well. So don't forget about the Hormones in Harmony group coaching program. If this has inspired you to get some answers, don't forget you can work with me in multiple different ways from September. And if you're in the UK, you've got the group coaching session where you can meet up with more women as well in in the UK and get some answers that way too. We've got some great guests lined up and I'm excited to share them with you. So see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at Viva Natural Health for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next step to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.